this is Leslie Marshall. Good afternoon. Welcome, welcome back. Happy Friday. Happy summer. Only true democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. Speaking of back, uh, we love to welcome back some of our favorite guests, and this gentleman certainly is uh, one of them. He is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. His name is Scott and Paul. And as you know, and if you don't, welcome. AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. Now, what they've been doing at AAM, they've been working to make American manufacturing a top of my issue for voters. You know they've been successful for that. Our national leaders, you know they have been successful with that. And they've done it through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. More than a pleasure to have back. Happy Friday, Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Hey, Scott, good afternoon. Welcome back. Hey, Leslie. It's great to be with you as always, especially fantastic to be on a with you on a Friday with the weekend approaching after the week that we have just seen. I know. Absolutely uh, crazy. But we do have some good times ahead, at least with some job growth in the area of manufacturing. Um, so let's first talk about Wisconsin. Um, it was announced that Foxconn is bringing approximately 3,000 jobs uh, to Wisconsin. The administration says and highlights this is a great win for American manufacturing, but what are you hearing? One, is this really going to happen? 3,000 jobs, people would say, to any state would be a win. Is it a win for manufacturing? Uh, and is it really going to happen? And I say that because we've seen the president say that jobs are going to stay here or jobs aren't going to go to Mexico, and that hasn't always been the case. Yeah, I mean, you raise all the right issues there. Uh, so first, you know, is this going to happen? Is Foxconn which is a uh, Taiwanese-based company that basically makes a lot of different types of electronic and computer and display parts for big brand names like Apple, Google, the list goes on. Um, so, you know, they have done a lot of different announcements. Uh, did an announcement in 2013 saying they're going to build a facility in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They've done the same thing in Indonesia, in India, where they've had these big announcements, $500 million, billion dollars, et cetera. None of it ever happened. Uh, that said, they do have two other facilities in the United States right now. One is in, in the state of Indiana. Uh, one, I believe, is in Texas. Um, you, you know, I, w would you want to aggravate Paul Ryan and Donald Trump and not do this? I mean, I, I think that's a real question uh, as well. But, you know, I, my attitude on this is that I will be happy about it once they actually break ground and once there are workers in the factory getting paychecks. Uh, and, and then I'll be thrilled. Up until that time, uh, we'll be, you know, pressing them to, 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 to do the right thing. Uh, but when you talk about this, um, you know, the, the announcement from the president, who's notorious for not necessarily always telling us 100% of what is occurring truthfully, and then when you talk about a company notorious for not following through, uh, let's speak to that a bit more. Why does any company, and, and this company, um, you know, you do this. I mean, you know, Foxconn, as you know, you just uh, touched upon, is notorious for not following through. Um, why do d these types of companies, and this company specifically, I mean, the president said Foxconn planned to invest $10 billion in a factory that initially will support about 3,000 jobs, and then they said that the facility is currently under negotiation. Well, um, it, it, it is, is this to make them look better? For him, it's obviously politically motivated. What's the motivation of a company 
to get an entire area's hopes up when, quote, currently under negotiation is not a done deal. You're, you're right. And, and, look, there's a pattern of this. I mean, I, I don't know that this should be particularly surprising to people, because I, I, I still remember that carrier uh, announcement uh, when he went to Indiana, said all these jobs are going to be saved uh, you, after the election. It turns out that yeah, not all the jobs were saved. In fact, a, a number of them, a number of workers there just received layoff notices last week, and and uh, and carriers still sending some production to Mexico. Now, now were some jobs saved? It's, it's it's possible that there were, but the top line for everybody is that this factory staying put because of Donald Trump's intervention. Uh, and you know, he had. Harley-Davidson workers and executives in his office just a few months ago uh, talking about uh, made in America and, 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 you know, keeping manufacturing strong and uh, and motorcycles. And Harley-Davidson just last week announced that they were laying off uh, hundred, hundreds of workers, steel workers, uh, as a matter of fact, and, and steel workers at Carrier, too. And so I, th- I think it makes sense to have some skepticism and some scrutiny when you see a jobs announcement from the Oval Office and coupled with the fact, Leslie, that, you know, Foxconn has this history. They have made some investments, but they've pulled back from other big job announcements. Um, uh, and there, there haven't been particularly a lot of consequences for that. Uh, you know, w- one could say, yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, you know, at the same time, is it impossible for Foxconn to to do consumer electronics manufacturing in Wisconsin? Because some people are saying this, too, like, that's just crazy. All of our stuff is made in Asia. It's made in Taiwan or China or Korea or Malaysia or, or, or Japan or somewhere, but it's not made in the USA, N- none of this electronic stuff. And I will say, for, for me personally, for, for our office here at the Alliance for American Manufacturing, that was the hardest stuff to find. And in some cases, you couldn't find it. So can they really do this? And so I, I think there's reason to believe here that they actually could. Uh, if they're going to be making what, what are called flat panel displays, which are basically the monitors that we use for everything from uh, tele- televisions to computers, um, uh, you know, and, and, and big size versions of these as well, that, yeah, those cost a lot to ship. They're kind of delicate. If you can make them close to a consumer market, uh, it makes sense to do that. So I, 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 I think it's possible for them to build a factory, to find workers, to to make a product, um, but will they follow through? And and, and will Trump follow through? Uh, because uh, you know it seems like he likes chasing around bright shiny objects and then uh, chasing after them for a little bit, and then his attention is diverted other elsewhere, and and he completely drops it. And speaking of, Foxconn makes promises, not just here but overseas. I mean, although we don't get excited, they announced $5 billion uh, in India, uh, a billion-dollar investment in Indonesia. Uh, both didn't happen. Investments in Pennsylvania. Um, so, uh, you know, are, are you, me, the rest of the American people, and specifically the manufacturing sector in Wisconsin, uh, right to be very skeptical? Yeah, I, that's right. And, and so, you know, it's interesting because from a from a federal perspective, like they did this at the White House, the, the, the White House, the federal government, you know, federal taxpayers will have very little stake in, in, in this outcome. But taxpayers in Wisconsin will. And Foxconn isn't coming 
to Wisconsin out of any sense of like altruism. You know, they, you know, Foxconn did this like a lot of big companies do. They, they, they found seven or eight different states that were willing to to bid for the, for their business. Basically, it's like, well, what you know, Foxconn would say, well, what are you prepared to? Give us if we locate a factory in your state, and they obviously uh, looked at the politics of this too. But but they looked at the bottom line, and and Scott Walker, uh, who is notoriously conservative and free market in every other aspect of his governance, said, "Yeah, we'll give you you know you know billions of dollars of tax relief uh, uh, if you'll locate your factory there." In fact, I saw. The Upjohn Institute, uh, which which studies uh, employment and economic development, estimates that if if Foxconn establishes 3,000 jobs at this facility uh, and it does stay there for the duration um, and it does receive these tax benefits from Wisconsin, that the cost of the job will be about $19,000 per job per year. And I I am pro manufacturing. I am actually pro manufacturing subsidies to some extent i will say uh but this this deal uh is pretty extravagant compared to the norm the average deal that that a company gets for locating jobs in a state uh is is just is about $2500 per job so here you have it's about $19000 and so was it was it a good deal we'll see i look i'm excited if if there's going to be consumer electronics uh, manufacturing uh, in Wisconsin. I'm excited if there's going to be 3,000 jobs. I'm excited if they're going to be family-supporting jobs. I'm excited if they develop a supply chain uh, about it. But but I also think there, there's probably a smarter uh, and a better and a better way uh, to do this uh, as well. And some of that has been missing from this conversation. Um, you know, I uh, be in media. <clears throat> it used to be. That you know somebody would you know give you uh, you know back in the day it would give you a job over the phone, and you know people would say to me, "Aren't you excited?" And I'm like, "Well, I'll believe I have the job when my second paycheck has cleared the bank." And you said, "I'll be excited about this Foxconn announcement when I see actual paychecks going to workers in Wisconsin." So um, great minds think alike. Maybe a bit pessimistic, rightly so, to be pessimistic with uh, with this company. Um, but it, you know, look it. it it's true that television was born in this country, right? You know, we you know we have the market you know on that. Uh, I'm you know here 20 minutes from Hollywood, sitting in the studio in Los Angeles, and we need we you and I have talked about this certain things like TVs. Very hard to find an American TV, um, and to have like a, a television, for example, made in America, specifically made in Wisconsin, in the heartland of America. Uh, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, but it, it, t- t- speak to what it can do to a community. I'm sure that you are very aware, Scott, dealing with so many people in the manufacturing sector. What, what does it do if you if you make these false promises and don't and don't carry through? Well, I mean, I think that's a good question. You look, for instance, at what happened with Foxconn in uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I've I've spent a lot of time throughout the state of Pennsylvania, including in Harrisburg. And, you know, Harrisburg is, you know, needs economic development. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it has an aging population, right? You know, it saw a lot of manufacturing job loss. Um, and, uh, and it needed some, some boost. And so, you know, you get a community's hopes up 
when you say we're going we're gonna to locate a, bi- a big factory here uh, that's going to put 500 people to work. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, and, uh, and so there, there's both the, the economic uh, consequences of that and the opportunities that are foregone. Uh, and then there's also, I think, the emotional shock of it, which is we've endured all these layoffs, we've endured this pain, and here you have this company uh, that, that toyed with us, uh, and I think it's fair to say that, and you get very frustrated when you see politicians you know, crawl all over these companies to be seen with them. I mean, you know, it was you, – you had at the White House, you had Governor Walker, you had Speaker Ryan – you had Senator Ron Johnson, in addition to the president's, you know, Reince Priebus, the, the president's chief chief of staff, you know, is from that area of Wisconsin where, where they may locate this plant. And so, you know, it lends a certain amount of gravitas and so to, to, to the situation. And it's perfectly understandable if voters, if citizens uh, get much more cynical about both big business and politicians uh, when things like this fall through. And, you, you know, you look around us at where we are kind of politically in our country today, and yeah, that's, you know, that, that, that's, I, I think it's fair to say that's a contributing factor in all of it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. You have questions or comments, call us now, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. More in a moment. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. My question to you before the break was specifically regarding the comments the president made um, on U.S. factories, this one specifically. Um, Do do you think it makes it awkward for Apple? Yeah, I I mean, clearly it does. He is, uh, I mean, Apple's one of the companies that uh, President Trump has uh, called out repeatedly for uh, both uh, not making things in the United States and also... um, uh, and also holding a lot of its its cash offshore, and, and and Trump has said he's tried to convince Tim Cook by saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make the tax code better, we'll have have, have better regulation, um, and in fact, just on I, I think it was maybe Monday Monday afternoon or Tuesday, where the president sat down with the Wall Street Journal and uh, had a very kind of, uh, I mean, the interview was all over the place. The headlines that everybody else took in were about Jeff Sessions and how, you know, he was saying very disparaging things about his own attorney general. But buried in there was a comment that uh, that, that, uh, uh, that the president said he had spoken with Tim Cook uh, and, and that, that Tim Cook was, uh, you know, was going to bring three apple plants to the United States. Um, someone tweeted and showed a picture of three little apple trees and said this is probably what he meant, but I'll take him at his word and say um, they had this conversation. And, and the president sort of hemmed and hawed about it, and, and I, you know, Apple doesn't actually have a lot of its own manufacturing facilities. It uses companies like Foxconn. To, to, to make its products. And so, uh, w- w- you know, we'll have to leave it up to uh, the president, unfortunately, to kind of uh, tweet his way out of this and to see if this is, this is one of the factories that 
uh, that he was referring to uh, with respect to the last time he talked to Tim Cook uh, about this. But, but I agree. Generally speaking, if Foxconn can make flat panel displays uh, in the United States, um, you know, a- anybody can. And, and I, I said this, I was asked by a number of outlets earlier in the week, the New York Times, Huffington Post, like, what, what is, can we do this or what is this all about? And I said, this shows that, that sourcing decisions are much more about choices than about capabilities. So we can certainly make this stuff in the United States. And, and, and Apple and Tim Cook in particular have used this as an excuse. We don't have skilled workers. We can't, we can't do this. So clearly Foxconn is betting that they can find, if you believe them, that they, that they can find 3,000 skilled workers in Wisconsin um, in a tight labor market, you know, where the unemployment rate is pretty low, uh, and, uh, and, and have it up and running and, be, and being ma- making sophisticated computer electronics uh, and, and consumer electronics in the United States. Let's take some calls. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. We lost here. Ishmael actually, Leslie. Oh, okay. We yeah. lost our caller, Ishmael in Virginia, on line four. Give us a buzz back, buddy, uh, if you get an opportunity. I know he uh, is very concerned about manufacturing and where it's headed uh, in America, as you are, Scott, I, and so many um, of our callers. Uh, you had talked about a company that you know you knew about being in the position you are as president at the AAM, and you know all things top of my manufacturing all the time. But the world, and especially Americans through the media, uh, became familiar, uh, for those that are not uh, in the state of Indiana, with a company called Carrier. And one of the reasons you touched upon uh, in the last uh, you know, uh, segment or segment prior in the first half of the show was uh, that the president you know, had talked about you know, he you know, cut a deal, if you will, with the folks at Carrier, and that jobs were going to stay in Indianapolis. They were going to create more jobs in, Indi- in Indianapolis. Um, and that they were not going to send uh, jobs uh, to Mexico. But the, the, the truth is, reality, is that Carrier Corps uh, began job cuts um, that just, what, you know, the, you know, at the end of this month um, at the Indianapolis factory. That was the place that was the rallying cry for President Trump. And they are continuing. They're greenlighting their plans to shift more work and more workers' jobs uh, to Mexico. There are about, what, 300 employees that are going to leave uh, as part or already have left as part of a previously announced plan to relocate uh, uh, production of fan coils. Um, and that total of 600 jobs eliminated over the next uh, few months um, from their United Technology uh, Corp. A unit, which is under the, the uh, umbrella of Carrier, correct? Yeah, yeah, and that that factory that you're referring to is just uh is just, you know is a, is a hour and a half, 2 hours north of of Indianapolis in a in a manufacturing town called Huntington, Indiana. And and so, yeah, the, these these job the, these shifts of production, these job losses are going on and I've I've kept in touch with Chuck Jones who Leslie as you know gained a lot of uh the notoriety uh for for calling out Donald Trump, uh, at, you know, right after the election and right after his visit to, to, to Indianapolis, and 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 Trump tweeted about Chuck Jones uh, very disparagingly and, and unfairly. Yeah, I mean, unprecedented. Uh, A president of the United States calling out an American, you know, blue collar worker. Yeah. <laughs> and a guy yeah. who takes heads up so many blue blue collar workers. And some right. Yeah. That that Chuck is responsible for probably even voted for for uh, President Trump. Yeah, yeah, but but unlike you know 
knowing Chuck, I mean, Chuck is a is someone who is going to going to push back hard, uh, and he has. And and so, like, like former vice president would say, no malarkey. He is a no malarkey yeah, guy. You're, you're, that's exactly that describes Chuck to a T. And so I, I talked to him just a few weeks ago and and asked him what what are things like there because because Chuck also represents the workers at, at Rexnord, uh, which was a ball bearing factory. It doesn't make anything for consumers, but ball bearing factory uh, that is that is literally in the same industrial park as Carrier, uh, also represented by the steel workers, uh, but that it, and that is moving its its production to to, to, to Mexico and, and and what things are like, and and he, here was the I, I think here is the thing that that gets lost in all of the political conversation about this is that fundamentally Chuck Jones. And those workers at Carrier who are losing their jobs, and those workers at Rexnord that are losing their jobs, they are men and women largely in their 50s who have spent a career in the factory and who now face a very uncertain future with a government that wants to uh, spend less on training opportunities for them, uh, and and going into an environment that's completely different, you know, if you're looking for another line of work now, you know, we're a digital economy. It's a it's a much more kind of millennial uh, space than a than a baby boomer space, which is which is what most of these workers are, and 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 the, the, and, and these workers know this, and it's almost like, you know, they've had this sentence hanging over them. For, for months now, and now it's happened, and, and, and yet you have these politicians like Mike Pence and Donald Trump who want to take credit for some of this without dealing in any meaningful way with the human cost of this, which is not just about individuals but affects their families. Their divorce rates will go up. Their health outcomes uh, turn negative, uh, much more likely to be, uh, you know, to have a, a substance abuse challenge after this. And, and honestly, even despite, you know, even with some training, much less likely to get a job that pays remotely close to the one that they just left. And, and, and that's what gets left out in these conversations, you know, in, in talking about scoring political points that the president wants to do uh, or, or, or even some others want to do. And so I, it, it helps to talk to, uh, to, to, to guys like Chuck who tell it how it is. And, you know, if you have a president who doesn't want it told how it is, that obviously disrupts that entire process. But it's important for those to, for those voices to be heard. Uh, and it's something that I know we tried to make sure folks are aware of. And I know you do uh, as well, because it, it keeps it real for, for uh, other folks who have never experienced a factory layoff before and how incredibly traumatic uh, that can be on both a personal, a family, and a community level. It's interesting that, you know, you talk about the, the, the uh, demographics of the carrier employee. And um, Indianapolis is offering uh, laid-off carrier workers up to $1,000 in assistance, which is really not a lot of money because some of these people could be out of work for a very long time and incentives for employers to hire them. But it's not that you can't teach a teach an old dog new tricks. It's that it's often cheaper for a company to get the newer dog and teach them the tricks, to, uh, you know, at the start point. And that's the reality, not just in manufacturing, not just a carrier. Unfortunately, in our country, um, ageism is um, 
uh, a uh, silent prejudice. My mother was the, the victim of it. She fought for the last decade of her career. They, I remember her boss saying to her, well, I want to talk about your retirement party. And she goes, I don't plan to retire for like another you know, five or ten years. You know what I mean? So, so you know, sometimes it, it, it's harder. Your point you have to move on, but harder when you have your you know, children and, you know, maybe grandchildren and, you know, maybe your house is closer to being, you know, paid off or you couldn't afford to buy the house that you have now when you bought it 20 or 30 years ago. So this really puts especially this type of worker in this demographic, as you just touched upon, Scott, at Carrier, in a very, very bad, uh, you know, uh, position, especially if you've been with a company you know, for a long, uh, you know, period of time. And if you're uh, from that area, being somebody that's moved around a lot for a career, um, and it, it, the older you get, the harder it is to up and, to uproot and move. And that is an act, in addition to what else are we going to do and where else do we go? And at our age, who's going to hire us? This, this is just, that's a really heavy burden for that type of employee. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, and and I think this is the challenge. And I, I you know, the the mayor of Indianapolis, uh, Joe Hogsett, who's a who's a good man, is doing whatever he can. It shouldn't be his function to to, to do that. Uh, he he's trying to fill in where where others are are, are leaving these workers uh, behind, and this is I, I think this is important on, on a couple of levels because. People, you know, and, and a lot of I'm not I'm not certainly impugning you, Leslie, because I know that you are you are now a coastal person, but you have spent time, you know, in our in our Middle West and in our heartland, and you know what it's like. Uh, I, but, but I, I think actually, people most people know like you know where I worked full time, but in this business and um, having started young and also being a liberal and, and talk radio is very conservative still and was certainly back in the day uh and a lot of people didn't want to hire some young chick it's like you know it was it it, it wasn't still is very male dominated i think you can count on you know what one hand the number of female talk show hosts or two if you count liberals and conservatives and i actually lived in milwaukee wisconsin for three months i filled in for a woman's maternity leave and the deal was if she didn't come back i could get the job um and if she did that i'd left because that was her right it was her job and uh, she did come back, and it's funny because I'm actually friendly with the person. She did come back and then left, and then they didn't hire me. They hired a conservative male named Michael Reagan, who I'm actually friendly with. <laughs> I see. I bump into Michael at Fox or at the airport. He's a lovely man. He's actually written lovely things about me, and we've done selfies together. Um, I may not agree with his politics, but he is a, a nice person. Um, and uh, but but I have spent time in uh, in Wisconsin. Lovely people, a lovely state. Um, yeah, I've lived in a lot of uh, Rust Belt places. I, I lived in yeah. Cleveland, Ohio for three months. I lived in Buffalo, New York for a year. Um, I so I know that demographic. I know that person. I know that worker. Those were my audience. Those were those were my people. Those were my fans, if you will. When I lived in those markets, I, I know them very well. Well, I, I I know that you do, and I, and I I imagine that you seem very. Uh, authentic to them as well, and, and, but I think one of the challenges is that we have a lot of people in our politics today, uh, or even you know e- even voters in in, in both parties, uh, you know, who aren't as connected to the factory or the manufacturing worker or that blue collar uh, ideal. 
and you know who who listen to the back and forth on this and maybe think about it from a philosophy or think well robots are taking all that stuff anyway we don't need to worry about it these are very human stories and these there are very profound costs to our country and they're not calculated the right way i mean people say well we get cheap goods but you you we've also had profound transformations in our economy uh, that have left a lot of people behind, and not because they aren't skilled, not because they don't work hard, only because their job was shipped overseas. And it, it is a, it's a fault line that got exposed, and, um, it, you know, and someone demagogued his way to office uh, on the backs of this. And, uh, you know, we, what we need really are policies that are going to be helpful and of value to both keep jobs in the United States uh, and to help those uh, who are displaced in a very, very, very real way, one that doesn't exist now, and you can't do it by tweeting or having, you know, having these one-off announcements uh, at the White House. That's not going to get the job done. Uh, Trump's favorite motorcycle company, Harley-Davidson, they're cutting 180 jobs at its plant, uh, at plants in both Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, and Kansas City, uh, Missouri, and that was when the White House was celebrating Made in America Week. From where you stand, Scott, um, we're not doing better at making products in America under this president, as promised at least thus far, correct? Yeah, that's right. There hasn't been any resurgence in manufacturing jobs yet. Um, I'm always hopeful that there will be. And a lot of the promises that he made, you know, you know, really changing NAFTA or standing up for steelworkers, uh, that may eventually happen, but it hadn't happened yet. Yep, thank you. Scott, Paul, we love you, and we love having you on. I love talking to you. Have a wonderful weekend, buddy, and I uh, hope you get some uh, summer vacation time in as well. Uh, we'll right back to you, friend. Leslie. Okay, thanks, Scott. Scott Paul, president for the Alliance for American Manufacturing, has been our guest. Please go to the website. It's a really great site. It's got some uh, great information about this. It's got uh, blogging, uh, you know, articles and columns and, and, and things that Scott has said have been quoted on uh, throughout the media. But also, it, it, it has a list of where you can buy products made in America. Let's help out um, our fellow worker as consumers. Go to the website, AmericanManufacturing.org, on Twitter, at Scott Paul AAM, and at Keep It Made in USA. That's AAM's official Twitter handle. I'm Leslie Marshall. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, with one of our great reporters live from our nation's capital with Talk Media News. Stick around. <laughs> 